Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like hip-hop, taking over the world one microphone at a time. Today on the show, I wanted to talk about the anatomy of an apology and conflict resolution, sort of uh, kicking off the theme for this week, which is kind of rooted in conflict. We're going to talk about a couple of different topics throughout the week that all relate to conflict between people and repairing relationships and uh, apologizing. You know, uh, Molly and I had a recent uh, situation where it was a really minor thing, but it made me think about uh, my relationship to apologizing and how apologizing is often a power dynamic. You can choose to not apologize and retain a sense of power, or you can apologize and pass the power on to the other person. So it started to have me thinking about this model that I'm kind of working through that by the end of the week, you'll learn a little bit about um, where that model has evolved and where it's going, but um, kind of working on this social model of establishing the anatomy of an apology. And um, that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Dopamine. So strap in, hold on, and uh, join me for this wonderful episode, this wonderful Monday of Dopamine. Let's go. Drums, please. All right, welcome to the show. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you had a good weekend. And um, today I wanted to talk a little bit about apologies. Something I've been thinking about this last week is the role that apologies plays in sort of the social realm of reality, the social constructs and managing relationships and, um, and how power dynamics come into play. And then also our, you know, how it relates to mental health and how that can be tricky when your mental health is your mental illness is influencing your behavior sometimes or is sometimes influencing your ability or willingness to apologize for something. Um, This is something that I started doing a little bit of research on and because I like really breaking down the nuances because like you would come into this episode and be like, okay, apologies. It seems pretty easy, right? You just, if something happens, someone bumps into you, you apologize. Um, But do you always have to do that? I don't know. (laughs) That's why I think it's interesting. It's all about context. Um, Just a quick side note, I'm in my car. I'm in a mall parking lot because it is hot as F today. I don't want to curse on this episode. Um, It is is hot as hell today um, and I didn't want to be in my apartment. I'm going to have to go home because I'm broke and I need to eat some food. But for now, we're going to record a podcast episode about apologizing. So I apologize for all of that even though it's like nothing that that is affecting you or I didn't even have to mention it. So like that's some of the first aspects of apologizing that I want to talk about. Apologizing in reference to people pleasing and people management and people energy and things like that. Um, one of the instances that I can think of is like the UK, London in, spe- in particular, when I went there, there was just, it was sorry for everything. Sorry for being in your space. Sorry for a slight bump. And, but people would continue to bump into you, but they're just so used to just saying, sorry, sorry, 
sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that you just keep doing it. Um, it doesn't change behavior as a whole. It's just something that kind of becomes uh, a subtext. It's just something that you're just used to saying. So you just apologize for little things. And uh, how that relates to like mental health and behavior is that we get into a place where we're used to apologizing for something. And in in social ways, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for speaking up. I'm sorry for saying what I mean. I'm sorry for accidentally bumping into you. I'm sorry for touching <laughs> in a way that was not appropriate or something. Or I'm sorry for saying that thing or something, you know, something that like there's a difference between genuinely apologizing and feeling a sense of guilt before feeling the empathy that someone else is uh, of someone else's emotions, the reaction to it. But there's there's a difference between that and apologizing for assuming that someone felt a certain way, meaning that or that they are going to feel a certain way based on what you just said. You know, it's like um, sorry for saying this, but you know that sort of thing, like pre-qualifying your apology and then allowing yourself the room to do something or say something, uh, or just, um, you know, sorry, something that's a little self-deprecating, like sorry for being myself or sorry for saying this out loud, or I'm sorry, I'm such a jerk or something like that. That's not a genuine apology. Uh, you know, so, so those are like, that's kind of like the big difference. And I'm kind of jumping around on this topic because again, it's something that I'm still, still kind of formulating. So I'm going to be honest with you about that in terms of like a, um, a clear, thoughtful structure to think about it. Honestly, an apology, a genuine apology is a back and forth. It is, it is like a tennis match. It is something that involves both parties to be active in because, if you can apologize all you want, but if you don't get the reciprocity or the, um, the, the response from the other person or their forgiveness, then the, then the, either the apology wasn't good enough or the other person is not developed enough to be willing to accept that apology and the relationship remains tarnished. So the, how that sort of back and forth goes and to kind of break it down constructively is you know, the, the event happens, the acknowledgement happens of the event between the two people, typically the victim, for lack of a better word, I'm going to call them the victim. Um, the victim acknowledges the wrongdoing first, and then the victim will make it known to the oppressor by saying, ow, or, you know, that hurt my feelings, or I didn't appreciate that, or some sort of response to let the oppressor know that they've oppressed the victim. And then the oppressor can take the initiative from there to acknowledge or learn as to why this hurt the other person. There are some obvious instances, like if somebody stubs their toe and it go, they go, ow, then you are going to acknowledge that and say, oh, sorry about that. I apologize. I didn't mean to step on your toe. Um, and they say, they say it's okay. And then you move on. But, um, you know, where that kind of can fall into... Uh, a balance, an imbalance is if you were to step on someone's toe and they go, ow, what the fuck? And then, well, there goes the cursing. So we're, this episode's explicit. <laughs> um, um, they go, ow, what the fuck? So you're like, uh, uh, well, you shouldn't have been standing there. You know, that is not an acknowledgement of the pain that the other person's feeling, right? That is a, that is a passing the buck. That is deflecting the blame. 
and part of the oppressor's role in sealing and, 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 and helping to move the relationships forward is to accept responsibility, to accept a semblance of guilt or sorrow or shame or blame or, or essentially responsibility because all those things fall into responsibility, which is such a, a cleaner, nice way to put it, accepting responsibility for what just happened and genuinely matching the other person's energy and saying, I'm so sorry about that. And then it's, then it gets tossed back to the victim who decides whether or not to forgive that person, to acknowledge whether or not the oppressor is worthy of their forgiveness and whether it matches their perception of genuine behavior, things like that. And then just be able to take that and forgive it or throw it out the window. And the real world example of that would be like, if I say, you know, I'm so sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to do that. And then the victim is like, well, you better not fucking do that again. Or, you know, coming at them or something like that. You know, instead of saying, you know, it's cool. And, you know, you're continuing to escalate. Again, by deflecting, whether you're the victim or the oppressor, you're going to continue the conflict. And you could see this happen all over the world in so many different ways. In bigger picture schemes. But the, the point of this podcast is I wanted to be able to, to distill this into its most basic understanding. Um, because that's the way I understand things. And I've had issues with apologies in terms of understanding power dynamics. And I think that's what I want to debunk next. Um, I'm going to take a quick break and we're going to talk a little bit about the, um, misconceptions of apologizing. And, you know, some people think you shouldn't apologize for anything and flat out, I'm just going to say that's wrong. So let's take a break and let's break that down. Join me, 48 Hours Correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the labyrinth of crime and secrets within families. I'm cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved, including investigators and the families of victims. Listen to My Life of Crime with Erin Moriarty wherever you get your podcasts. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Uh, so we're going to talk about, uh, I've been trying to, to formulate this into like a coherent thought. So again, uh, I appreciate that you guys like the show for the fact that I'm just kind of like rambling and figuring it out as I go along, because it's something that I've been thinking about, like, but the coalesced thought is something that sometimes takes time to formulate. 
and I like working through the process, honestly, and this is the whole part of this show is being able to show this process because this is the way people think. And for me to just present something that's completely finished and buttoned up uh, just doesn't feel right for me as a person, as my personality type. And um, so I appreciate that you like this and, and that this is a, you know, something that brings value to you. This is, this is cause it feels good for me and I get to coalesce these ideas into something that is strong and formulated and being able to formulate them in order to move them onto other mediums, you know, written form or Facebook posts or whatever the case may be. Anyway. So with that aside, I wanted to talk about the power dynamics because I don't know when this happened in my life, but there was a point where I started to take advice from sort of the cliche marketers or like the people who are the thought leaders, quote unquote, people who are essentially trying to show you how to be a more powerful person. Maybe it was more specifically male advice because a lot of male advice is around reclaiming a sense of power and strength and um, authority, leadership, things like that. And I think somewhere at some point I read to don't, to not apologize for anything, (laughs) which is terrible. Uh, it's such bad advice, but for some reason, it's just something that stuck with me. And it's something that I, that I want to revisit. Like, I don't want to completely dismiss it as something that is a completely useless bit of advice because there's a reason that someone thought of that. There's a reason that someone wanted to give that advice. And I think the reason is power dynamics, the power dynamics, meaning that if you're again, if you're in that conflict sort of tree, or I haven't really given it a definition, but that sort of conflict back and forth, that conflict tennis match that I was talking about at at any point, you can seize the control of that and not properly apologize or not, uh, or choose to maintain a sense of power and not apologize or not volley the next part of the conflict. So at any point you can keep, take the ball and keep it. And that is the sense of power that I'm talking about. The ball represents the power in this dynamic. So you could take the ball and you can keep it. It's like, it's like if you're playing catch with someone and especially like, I'm sure plenty of people with kids can get a little frustrated by this or like a dog even that you're having, you're playing catch and they take the ball and they just start running and you're like, well, what about me? Like, we're not playing catch anymore? Like, what's going on? This is not fun. And it's the same thing with the with that sense of conflict. Like, the power is being passed in, back and forth between people. Let's assume that in this scenario where someone is stepping on someone's toes, um, you're walking through a mall or something and you accidentally step on someone's toes. Before the incident happened, you're on an even power dynamic. Between the two people, at least. Between the two connections. You could think about social dynamics, power... Like, none of that comes into play between these two strangers. When it, you're at a clean slate, you're at a, a level-headed power dynamic between these two people. And then when one person steps on the other person's toes, the power shifts the, the balance shifts to the person that has stepped on the toe, meaning that you, um, as the person who stepped on their toe, created an imbalance by accidentally hurting the other person. This could translate to emotional things as well, but let's keep it to physical because it's a little bit more uh, understandable um, in most contexts to most people. So 
you step on someone's toe, they go out, it hurts them, you see the physical pain, they are in a power, they are in a vulnerable position. They are physically hurting, maybe they're crouched down, maybe they're, in any way they are, their guard is dropped, they are vulnerable. So in a real world power dynamic people perspective, if we were not in modern society and you stepped on someone's toe, they could be susceptible to attack. And our brains are still wired to think that way. So we get into this position of vulnerability, of feeling like we are in a position of being attacked. Like, who is this person? Who is this stranger? Did they step on my toe deliberately? Are they trying to hurt me? Are they, is this part of an elaborate scheme? Are they going to rob me? Like, what is this? So, you know, the ball is, the power is passed from the two people evenly to the oppressor fully. The oppressor now has the power. The oppressor has the power to make a decision in that moment. And these are things that we don't think about because in modern society, a lot of it is automated, right? I mean, a lot of us are automated to apologize immediately, but we don't think about the power dynamic that naturally occurs where the oppressor has the option. The oppressor now has the choice to continue to attack this person, to emotionally belittle them, to, um, to tell them that they shouldn't be walking there or to apologize and even out the power dynamic. There are options there, but we don't usually think about those options because, you know, for the most part, it's standardized that in civilian life that we, civilized society, that we would apologize to them. But if you wanted to maintain a sense of power, a personal, selfish, physical domineering sense of power, then you would not apologize, which is a fucked up thing to do. I'm not at all saying you should do that. But that is just how the power dynamic swings between people. You emotionally or physically hurt them or cripple them, and you have power over them. This happens in all sorts of ways in society. But to, this is a matter of making it micro. This is thinking about everyday interactions that you have with people. And the reason that I bring up the power dynamics is because that is often the crux of conflict. That is the reason that anyone has difficulties with family members, with spouses, with anyone in their lives is a imbalance of power, boss to subordinate. Like even just saying that, that's an obvious power dynamic. A boss has all of the power. They have the power to fire the subordinate. The subordinate is in a pretty consistent feeling of vulnerability by knowing that any day that for whatever reason, unless protected by law, which tries to even out that power dynamic, unless protected by law, that boss can get rid of that person and put them into a further state of vulnerability. So unless you find other ways to balance that power dynamic, meaning if you were a boss who was going to fire someone, you would need to do emotional reparations to make sure that your relationship between boss and subordinate still remains intact, that you understand or you explain as best as you can the intent of what is happening. And then you're not just doing it because you can. Again, it's the same reason of like, you don't just step on someone's toes in a mall to hurt them just because you can. That is a power move. Most of the time, people do things just because they can as a power move, as a means to conflate or inflate their, um, their sense of self. So again, this, this goes into like greater 
dynamics when it comes to like taking things personally and stuff like that. But in terms of power dynamics, when it comes to relationships, you know, people are trying to, one partner will typically try to get the other partner to do what they want them to do, keep the house clean, uh, things like that, instead of trying to explain the intention between each other. So let me go back into that, that sort of tennis volley that I was talking about. Sort of the, the basic idea is like, it starts with acknowledgement, acknowledgement of the moment, the thing that happened. And then it goes back and then it goes to the oppressor to also acknowledge what happened. Um, oh, are you okay? What happened? What's wrong? Why are you upset? Things like that to try to find out what's going on and to really find out and acknowledge if they are the cause of this, if it's a not obvious situation. And then the, uh, the victim gets to explain their emotional state, why something hurt them. Um, ah, my, you accidentally stepped on my toe or you said something that hurt me or something like that. Basically the acknowledgement to the oppressor of what actually happened. And then, um, there's some heavy raindrops. I don't know if you can hear that in the background. Um, then the, uh, the victim will explain to the oppressor, like how they feel. And then the oppressor has the choice to acknowledge that emotion and acknowledging that emotion is the best way to move forward. Acknowledging that their emotion is valid. Their feeling is valid. Their physical state is valid. Like, Oh, you're, you got stepped on. That's that hurts. I've experienced that hurt before. I know what hurt feels like. I know what physical pain feels like. Ow, that hurts. I'm sorry about that. That is usually the point of apology. Uh, uh, and, and acknowledging that you are the cause of that pain. So being able to, again, shift that power dynamic back and forth is giving power back to the victim and letting them know that their emotions are valid, that they can, um, that you're a person that is not trying to hurt them intentionally, and you can move forward and, and rebuild the relationship. Uh, and the last basically bit there is for the victim to acknowledge the oppressor's apology and say, it's okay, it's fine. And let the oppressor know that they have evened out the power dynamic. So the oppressor no longer, the, the, the power shifts actually from oppressor to now the victim has a little bit more power than the oppressor does. And the victim has to even it out. So it's almost like a, you think about like a, like a, um, a half pipe with like skating or something, you know, you're kind of passing the power back and forth, right? So it's still uneven, but it's slowly evening out as you get to the middle, as you get to the bottom, as you get to the end of the conflict. And then that last part when the victim is able to let the oppressor know, Hey, you're cool. Like we're good. It's all good. Like, you know, and the, the oppressor can sometimes do as a lasting, as a final thing is some reassurance, some sort of, uh, some sort of like, you know, I'll watch where I'm going or I'll be, I'll be sure not to say that some sort of reassurance to the victim that will help finally even out that power dynamic. So I, I'm going to find a way to try to put this into like a model of some kind. Cause I think it's really interesting, but I, I, it made me think about that in a way that breaks it down because every single conflict that we have is about power dynamics. It's about shifting the power back and forth. And in order to build a even relationship between you and another person, whether that's a stranger or a loved one, we need to find ways to, to give a little bit of our power to them and trust in them to be able to give some of that power back. 
you know, it's like hot potato or some way of like, it's like, it's like building a rubber band ball, but the other person has pieces that they can't give to you. So in order to build that rubber band ball to the size that you need, you need to pass it to the other person and trust that they're going to build on that and then give it to you again so that you can build on it. You know, if you've got like, if you've got all the odd number pieces and they've got all the even pieces, you've got to start it and then give it over and then give it over and then give it over and be able to trust each other to have that power dynamic. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting how society has kind of developed this as a means to, um, try to resolve conflict in within interpersonal relationships within strangers, but we kind of miss the boat when it comes to, um, when it comes to family and friends, because we let our guard down and we assume that we're allowed to have power over each other because, you know, they're family, they'll forgive us no matter what, without actually considering whether or not they'll actually forgive us. So it's important to, regardless of the scenario, to kind of go through that back and forth, to understand that your person, even though they're your significant other, someone that they're used to being around you or used to your behavior or power dynamic, is still a human that needs to feel a semblance of power between each other. You know, this is this power dynamic is not unique to relationship. It's not unique to strangers or relationships or parent parent child dynamics, boss subordinate, anything like that. It is the same for every single human interaction between two people. So it's certainly important to take a step back and think if there's a conflict going on in your life, who has the ball? Who, who, and, and at what stage, you know, are they, is it at a point where they haven't apologized to you? Would you like an apology? Um, have you expressed that you would like an apology? Have you been clear about how this has hurt you? Because if you are, haven't been clear or you haven't been able to explain to them or they haven't been able to understand why you are hurt, then they are not ready to give you an apology. They would not be able to. Because it's just as important for the apology to be genuine as it is for the apology to happen in general. So they need to actually understand what the apology is. And that's, I think, where my personal dynamic has come into play. Because I've had issues understanding emotional states. I've had issues understanding uh, people dynamics for a large part of my life. And uh, which is why I try to come up with like these models and ways to break it down informationally because it's the way that I know how to understand it. So it comes down to my understanding with my, with my understanding. It is about, um, it is, it is about me being able to take this and apply it to my life and me being able to take this and, you know, improve my relationships. Um, where was I going to go with that? I lost it. <laughs> Point being that if you're in a, a power struggle, um, you know, being able to apologize is important. And I, I, okay, now I get it. So what I was trying to say before is that it relates to my life because I couldn't fully understand the person's emotional state. So if I can't understand someone's emotional state, I'm not ready to apologize until I can understand that. Once I get it, I'll apologize. You know, there was, um, <laughs> uh, I, I've, so there was a situation where I ghosted someone in my early twenties. Um, it was a very unfortunate, it was, it was, I was a jerk. I was a total jerk. There was a girl I was seeing for like two weeks and 
she started to get really close to me really quickly. I was kind of in a rebound phase. I was in my early 20s. I just wanted to get it in. You know how it is sometimes. Um, but she got really close. She wanted something more. And another opportunity showed up for me. And I kind of... She started to get close. I didn't know how to deal with the emotions of that situation. So I just ignored her. I just ghosted her and disappeared. Didn't Haven't seen her since. Um, and then there was a time... Uh, a few years ago where I finally understood the impact of what I did and while this isn't unique to a lot of female situations I'm sure a lot of women have experienced men doing this to them but this is not unique to gender honestly but I, I experienced this where I just felt this intense sense of guilt and shame and like what did I do that was really messed up like I shouldn't have done that so I found her on Facebook and I messaged her and I gave her the best apology that I could. And, you know, for me that I'm sure that at some point she has been building, you know, her sense of self is not predicated on me, but I'm sure there was a little piece, a little something that the apology stood for, for her, that the apology meant for her. Um, and you know, she, she was thankful for the apology but she also expressed that this has happened before. Uh, so, you know, that for her, that was probably something she needed to work through. But I'm sure getting an apology from someone is important. So regardless, the idea is that it took me a long time to get to a place where I could properly apologize for what it is that I did. So, you know, while I explain a situation that is about stubbing someone's toe and something that happens really quick back and forth conflict can can last, can last for a long time conflict lasts between nations they last between people relationships it can last a long time and the resolution doesn't come until the final acknowledgement from either the victim or the oppressor from really both sides that the victim can acknowledge the forgiveness and the oppressor can acknowledge the reassurance that it won't happen again. So there's, you know, there's trickiness going on because like even nations have had to apologize and, and started to mend ally relationships, you know, as within a formal apology. I don't have examples off the top of my head, but you think about like Germany with World War II or like South Africa with apartheid and, um, I think what is going on socially right now is that there are a lot of um, there are a lot of people wanting the sort of guilt and shame phase of the racial debate and social debates going on in society, and many people aren't willing to give up or feel that sense of shame because they didn't directly do the thing, or um, you know, even though there there are nations who have apologized for things done centuries ago or decades ago that haven't been a part of it. Like, I think that's what's going on in terms of social conflict, conflict that goes on on the internet, anything like that. You know, one side feels like they are the victim. The other side feels like the oppressor. And sometimes those lines are blurred. Sometimes it's not clear. Uh, so in terms of like grander social dynamic, I think that's something I'm going to talk about a little bit later this week. 
I haven't formalized, formalized yet what the rest of these episodes will be, but I do want to talk a little bit about social dynamics, social change, what is going on in relation to this. Um, because there is, there's a model here with this tennis ball back and forth thing that I haven't like completely defined yet, but this is something I want to reference in a couple episodes coming up this week about, uh, social dynamics, arguing on the internet, uh, things like that. And, um, probably talking a little bit more about power dynamics and relationships and stuff like that. So I appreciate you guys for listening to the show. Um, I hope your Monday is good. I hope this taught you something or at least made you think about something or be curious about it. Again, this is like a model that I've been thinking about and coming up with. So there's no real thing for you to research. So, but if you have questions about it, clarifying, I'm going to do what I can to work on clarifying this model into something that's formal that could be maybe understood. Uh, I think that'd be really fascinating. But for now, if you are uh, new to the show, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please go to dopamine.life and subscribe to the show. There is also a support this podcast button, so you can donate $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99 to the show uh, on a monthly basis. That'll keep the show going. I really appreciate it. You can also send a voice message on here on Anchor. Uh, to me and I will happily answer any questions. Uh, sometimes I'll answer, I can air the question uh, on the air if you have an anchor account or hit me up at let's go C note on all my social channels uh, and certainly be able to talk to me there about the things that you need to talk about and feel free to go to cnote.media to learn more about me and what I do, uh, sign up for my newsletter and all that good stuff. So um, leave a rating review, all that fun stuff. If you would like to, I really, really appreciate any way that you can help me with this podcast. And, um, yeah, that's it. So take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll catch you on tomorrow's episode of dopamine. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.